0: To
1: pay him. Jeff, it's the first really good professional wrestling match in the history of WrestleMania. This is Tom Healy, and as always, I am joined by my co host, Jeffrey Ryan.
0: Jeff, How the hell are you doing right now, man? Just crazy times, my friend. We are are living it uh, day by day, hour by hour, you know, mania on the fly, all this good stuff. And so, but uh, a little crazy, but uh, we're doing what we love and that's important.
1: Yeah, so we had recorded a few episodes and the last of which aired And uh, I realized on Monday's episode last week, we were still bragging about going to WrestleMania and (laughs) boy did change things change in a hurry. But look, man, we know that uh, it's a crazy time in this world right now. Um, We're here to entertain you to, to talk pro wrestling and uh, you know, you don't need our uh, medical opinion or our take on all this stuff. And Jeff, you know what they say about opinions, right? What do you got buddy? they're like assholes. Everybody has everybody's one. got one. So right. if you're looking, if you're looking for uh, medical advice, uh, talk to, uh, doctors, not Dave Meltzer. Okay. Seriously. Some of these, uh, you know, wrestling journalists and podcasts out there, they're, uh, they're medical experts now. It's, it's, it's really amazing. So, you know, we're going to talk pro wrestling. Uh, we're here to, to entertain and have some fun to share some laughs and, uh, Jeff, let's uh let's get right into this, man.
0: Did you know that there's a lot of hot takes in wrestling that the fans are somewhat opinionated? Did you know that? Like <laughs>
1: Op- Wait, wrestling fans are opinionated? Get out of here.
0: Yeah, did you know that? Did you know that that's a thing? I couldn't believe that. So Oh my god.
1: Um, well, I'm even thinking about, you know, the big thing right now is, you know, do you have WrestleMania? Do you cancel it? Do you do these shows in the Performance Center? And I'm laughing because I'm like Honestly, no matter what they do, people are going to shit on it. If they canceled everything, it's why aren't they trying to entertain people? If they can't fill an arena, they don't even want to do a show. And then they do a show and it's like, how could they put people? At re- I mean, <laughs> dude, nope. I'm telling you wrestling. And, and again, it's it's a vocal minority on like Twitter and stuff. But it's like, yep. no matter what they do, they're just going to blast the hell
0: out of it. Yeah. Nobody's ever had, and you and I were ready. Like we, I think I'm more upset too. We had to cancel our steak dinner reservation. And so, um, you know, we were excited for that. And we, we even planned like our hotel. We're like, if we can't get an Uber, like it's, you know, a mile away, we can walk. And so had yeah, it that, all mapped out, man. Had that it was, all a hard, out. It was a hard, was a Hard flight to
1: cancel, but uh, well, there's there's worse to. there's worse things going on in the world. So I'm pumped. I'm pumped about this episode. Um, this is this is a great one, man. We're still in WrestleMania season. We're still talking our WrestleMania matches. I feel like the last few episodes we did were were pretty awesome. We had some good feedback on social media. Um, you know, your your weekly reminder to follow us on Payoff Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Uh, at payoff pod i'm at payoff tom jeff is at payoff jeff so you know let us know what you think good or bad tell us what matches you want to cover we've got some good guests we're talking to right now it seems like everybody's home and uh excited to be on a wrestling podcast so (laughs) we're starting to get we're starting a lot of some really good guests and that's exciting so um you know follow us give us those five stars thank you for your support of the show uh, if you're on social media media more than usual right now, then you know, give a shout out to the payoff and uh let us know what you think. Um, so that's that. And uh, you know, quickly I'll just share the rules. We don't talk the current product. We want to bring you fresh information and we try to have some fun. And we need fun more than ever right now. So if you're really bored and and you haven't heard all of our past episodes, hit up the archives, listen to some of those ones. But uh, Jeff, why don't you uh, set the agenda and jump into things?
0: Yeah, and we've seen it like some of you really enjoy when it's just Tom and I and we're you know shooting the shit and talking about these matches. others you enjoy when we got the guests. so you know we're going to keep bringing bringing new episodes both ways and that's what we want. so but no matter what whether we got a guest, whether or not you know it's just Tom and I like you know here at the payoff, we always give you that deep dive into one match every Monday. And that's what we're always going to be doing for you. And as always, everybody knows it. we have those three parts, the build, the payoff, the aftermath what happened before, what happened during, what happened after, plain and simple. And it's always great when we can have some of those legends and kind of superstars with us to kind of, you know, talk us through some of that, you know, maybe that's the play by play of the match and, you know, some of the different moves and other times it's just some stories. like, you know, we, we like bringing those things to you as well, too. And we love hearing that stuff. And some of those things that we just don't ever get to hear, um, you know, any place else. And so um, that's always really good stuff to hear about. And so um, and then after that, of course, like this match a little, little bit older. And so we don't have uh, of course, everyone fan favorite Dave Meltzer's write-ups or, you know, write-ups from the torch or anything like that. But, you know, what Tom and I, we're going to get, uh, we got a little bit to share. We found some write-ups from back in the day and some kind of retrospective things. So we've got that. And then of course our score. And so, uh, we got some good stuff here and as always, you know, we're going to bring you that great content. So, um, Tom, I'll kick it to you, uh, before we kind of get right into it. Like, uh, how come you wanted to discuss this match? So we don't have a Meltzer rating for this match? We don't. That I, I could uh, dig, a, I could well, dig tr- tr- a little more. But. Maybe dig a little bit
1: more, but man, that is so disappointing. Cause you know, I thought that Schmuck was gonna give this like two
0: and a half stars. It might be out there, but 87 and yeah, and when they started was later. Uh, so
1: well man. look, my, my reasons for wanting to do the match are – what you think they are. This is the first great match in WrestleMania history. Great wrestling match, right? We often forget that in the first nine WrestleManias, you could count the number of good matches on your hand. I feel like WrestleMania 10 turned the corner where, you know, they were starting to get some some newer, younger, smaller talent in the fold. Wrestling became more of a premium. Uh, Shawn and Razor in the ladder match, Brett and Owen in the opening match. And then all of a sudden, you know, we started to get some really good wrestling. But, man, those first nine WrestleManias, there were not a ton of good matches and if you really go back and watch the wrestling, these first couple of WrestleManias, there's some really rough stuff on it. So what I love about this is not just that it was a great match, but given when it took
0: place, it was so revolutionary for its time. What about you, Jeff? Uh, oddly enough, like we haven't covered either of those re- or either of these wrestlers. And, you, you know, you and I have been doing this for since July. You Dude, know, that, we, this is our first
1: Savage match.
0: Yeah. And so as much as, yeah, as much as like, this is one of those. And uh, I I think you've got a a question later about the Mount Rushmore of wrestling. And so we'll talk about that a little bit later, but um, this is one, both these guys though, like arguably like some of the best in the business ever. And so, um, but oddly enough, yeah, not only macho, but we didn't have, like we haven't talked about Ricky steamboat either. And so, like, so we, we, before we, you yeah, know, before we
1: covered steamboat and, and Savage, we've covered Savio Vega. We've covered the fake razor and fake diesel, uh, it's too amazing. cold Scorpio Canyon.
0: Um, man, what, what the hell are we thinking? I don't know I don't know this is one of those like I we don't know how it slipped through the cracks, but we're glad we're here now so uh, but yeah this is one super exciting to kind of talk about this one. Um, jump into this one. time you got any other final thoughts? I got nothing hacksaw, take us to the build. So with that being said, let's get to the build Oh it's time for the build. All right. So we've talked about
1: WrestleMania three before Pontiac, Michigan, you know, the whole story, 173,945 fans in attendance or whatever fake number was given, but you know, whatever, there were a ton of people. It was awesome. And uh, man, I've said it before on here. If I could go back and attend any live wrestling show in history with like great seats and not know what was going to happen. I think this would be the one. It would be really, really cool to be sitting in great seats for this event. So, um, you know, we've talked a little bit about WrestleMania three on a past episode. You all know the history, so I don't want to spend any time on it. Um, I I really want to jump into the build for this match and uh, and really spend some time on it because there's just so much to cover. So what do you have for us in terms of the storyline, Jeff?
0: Yeah, and so this one, the two of these, this was actually a very long build, but the two of them never really got in the ring in the lead up to this. And so um, it really started when Savage attacked uh, Steamboat. He was greeting some fans, kind of ringside, Um, you know, kind of interacting as always. And then Savage attacked him. And so um, he pushed him. It's kind of the, the classic story here that, you know, some of you may or may not know, but um, that's why we're telling it of like, he pushed him over the security or excuse me, Savage pushed steamboat over the security rail. And there was actually an elbow shot that he gave him to his throat. And it, Kind of landed him on the guardrail on top of it. You know the classic move, like lifting, lifting them up and kind of dropping them on the ropes or the rail. But um, at this time, of course, before the internet, and you know the internet was even you know not a thing. Um, 1987, back then, is when this occurred. Like that was believable, and so they played it up that you know he had you know injured his larynx, you know is you know couldn't talk, like you know it sent him to the hospital. Just all these different things, and so the that was how it started, but but then you know had you know different things that were kind of happening up to like you know at this point they had some kind of in-ring action and things happening, but the culmination was actually here at this WrestleMania, and so um, it was actually at Superstars when that assault happened it was 1986 and so the build like to uh, get to this so that was November of 1986 of course Wrestlemania was the end of March 1987 and so you did have a really long build here where things were happening and so Steamboat was gone for a little bit too it was actually a a Saturday night main event um again where like it had these things happen. Happening where they were kind of locking up and getting into it Getting into it and involved and all these other things A kind of a weird angle on this one though Is you had George the Animal Steel Everybody remembers he would eat the turnbuckle Um, Super weird as a kid Like it would always freak me out Because you didn't know Like I get it's a character But he was still weird And so that was fine But George the Animal Steel was actually in Ricky Steamboat's corner and he actually had a crush on Miss Elizabeth, who was probably one of my first wrestling crushes, crushes excuse me. And so uh, I remember her growing up in the wedding and uh, saying that I do, or oh, the, her saying the, oh yeah, to uh, accept the uh, marriage proposal. Uh, and so that was always good. And so, um, it's he, George animal steel had the crush on miss Elizabeth. And so, uh, Macho was with her at this time. And so you had that kind of going on. And so, um, it just kind of, you know, interesting build. There wasn't a ton of matches, but, uh, it was a long build. And I've said before how I like these long builds and they were, you know, just kind of getting to it. And they, we just don't see that anymore. Like even a, a six month or a three month build in regards to getting to a match at mania. But, um, these two just kind of really just not in or you know getting along, not liking each other, um the injury, like that was pretty much the big angles that got us to this match.
1: Well, this year we might have a one year build to
0: WrestleMania. <laughs> yeah, no shit. Who knows what's uh, gonna happen. Yeah.
1: So so my first wrestling class was uh sensational sherry. That's an interesting
0: choice. Really. <laughs> just I'm just kidding. I was going to say that's why I was like quiet for a minute there. I was like okay, whatever whatever floats your boat, dude. Like so, came came across a
1: couple of things uh that I thought were interesting. So uh, there was an interview Ricky Steamboat did where he was talking about the build to this, and he said, from the time he dropped the bell on my throat until WrestleMania, we had a three-month build-up. In other words, we had time to elaborate on the storyline. If you drill into their heads week after week and it goes for three months, people will have a better fond memory of why these two guys are having this blow-off match. I don't think too much today that the guys have that luxury. We have pay-per-views a lot more frequently than we did back in 1987. so. Thought that was interesting. Um, The other thing Ricky Steamboat talked about, and so one of the things that's legendary about this match, and I'm sure we'll get more into it once we watch the match here, in the mentoring, um, the the payoff. But, you know, Randy Savage mapped out every single move in this match on a yellow pad, okay? And so Steamboat would say, we were using the yellow legal pad and writing down steps. And it got into something like 100-plus steps. Finally, when we got the match top to bottom, we would then meet and quiz ourselves. And I would say, okay, I'm at step 55. It's this and this. Now tell me the rest of the match. And he would go, step 56 is this, and step 57 is this. We would go back and forth. Can you imagine?
0: Yeah, I have thoughts on this. I'll save it for when the matches started. But yes, I like, and this is—he had a reputation for this too. And well, so, and,
1: and Lanny Poffo was like, yeah, that's the way Randy always was. They, they, you know, right. he was OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder. Correct, I, I think yes. I have it too. So you know, it's all good. But yeah,
0: it's just crazy. When he's doing it. Yeah. Hey, but we can see what we got from that though. So, you know, it's, you can't really complain because of it though.
1: Well, and that's, and you may bring it up during the match, but I'll just say that, you know, so often you'll see wrestlers go, well, I can't believe, you know, Randy Savage and diamond Dallas page. They would map out their matches ahead of time. To me, wrestling's an art form. Different people have different processes for creating art right? Actors act different ways, right? There's different types of acting. Some people like improv. Some people like scripted. Some people go off the script. You know, some people have a mapped out comedy show. Some people kind of wing it, right? And there's no right or wrong, but I hate when you'll hear some of these old timers that that like bash a certain style. It's like, look, some people call it in the ring. Some people map it out. There's plenty of wrestlers, dude, quote unquote, call it in the ring. They've had a lot of quote unquote shitty matches over the course of their career. So I would never begrudge the guy for putting in all this prep. God love him for doing it, man.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and like I said, we can see what the results were from that. And so it definitely Uh, was worth it. I had,
1: so I had one more thing for you. Did you happen to watch the vignette that took place prior to this match?
0: Uh yes. Uh well I kind of skipped quick through it real quick. I didn't pay a ton of attention, I'll be honest.
1: Yeah, so so I no, no, that's fine. And and Jeff, we all all of us here at the payoff appreciate your honesty. But we, we, so, I, we don't
0: watch all all 16 hours of wrestling every week. Sorry that I had to I needed yeah. to get that off my chest. Oh my God. So yeah. the um
1: there's a doctor that's in this, like, I guess it was Ricky Steamboat's doctor because of the throat or whatever. <laughs> The guy's got his like white doctor coat on and he's got a bare chest with his hair sticking out. So I'm guessing this is like a wrestler. He looks like a pro wrestler. He looks like like an eighties jobber and he's like pretending to be a doctor. I mean, it's just great. I just noticed that this morning. So go back and watch it. There's your little hidden gem. That's right. Yep. It's worth it. So we've covered the build. We know what's going on. I think we have a lot to talk about during this match. So I think we uh, are about to jump into it. Does that sound good?
0: Let's see. Get it. Let's see. Let's get that ding, ding, ding. Tell us. Yeah, when to so, go, buddy. so
1: here's the deal. We're going to, we're going to start this at the one hour and 47 mark of WrestleMania three on the WWE network. Again, one hour and 47 mark. When you hear the ding, 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 that's when we're going to hit play. Um, if you're just watching the match, it's right when it starts uh, at the beginning when they're both in the ring. So With that being said, it's time for the payoff.
0: Oh, it's time for the payoff.
1: All right, Jeff, here we are. The macho man in the ring. Liz taking the glasses, taking off the headband, looking like a savage, man. Look at Randy. I love, and those are some of my favorite tights that he wore, too. That's kind of that iconic uh, pink with the uh, yellow. Uh, I don't know why it was always just one of the more iconic ones.
0: I love that you're paying attention to them, and I'm watching the lovely Miss Elizabeth and uh, exit the ring. And so uh, that's all right. We've all got our we've all got our loves. So, um, so yeah, we talked about it a little bit, like the the, the planning of the match. Um, I had read, and I don't know where you know what you found on this one, but it was literally weeks. Where they were laying out and planning this match. Oh yeah, um, and that they were doing in ring work. Like this was not a, you know. So many times we hear about you know what's happening nowadays of uh, you know matches being literally like the script being thrown out at noon or you know. To, oh look at the back hair. Oh yeah, George. Dude, that thing. that back hair reminds me of uh, my
1: best man, Dave. Dude. <laughs> one of these like college football trips we go on, we're going to like wait till he like passes out from drinking and is exhausted. We're going to tie him to the bed and we're
0: going to shave it off. It's like the, uh, what was it? The 40 year old virgin. Like that's the way to do it. Yep. So yeah, we uh, send him that meme a lot. Yeah, sure. So this is one of the, but like for weeks and weeks they were planning this and you just like nowadays. Yeah. Like I said, it's like two o'clock and the script's getting thrown out and they're rewriting it, which even on a week where we don't have something, you know, uh the unspoken by WWE coronavirus happening like you know we've got these things where you know they're still throwing the script out but this one just imagine you know at some point going to you know macho man and saying hey whatever you've been planning over the last couple of weeks you don't get to do that like, so so just- here, but but think about this right so you talk about how this had a 3 month build
1: but here's the reality of things is that you know they do the angle where he like you know crushes his larynx or whatever and then there's a couple interviews back and forth so When we think three-month build in current WWE product, that means that, like, most weeks, if not every week, you have to do something, right? Like, Edge and Randy Orton, they're having this wonderful build right now for their WrestleMania match, but every week someone's talking, something's happened. So by the time we get to the match, the build, you know, will have been, you know two months or whatever, but it's going to be probably eight or 10 different segments. Whereas this three month build may have been, you know, two or three interviews or angles. So to stretch it out, you have to fill so much more TV time now.
0: Do you think, and this is just a thought I've had as we're kind of sitting here watching this match, and already, like, a lot of back and forth, a lot of technical work, like um, both men getting a little offense in, but Steamboat kind of starting to take over a little bit here. Um, that back hair angle, you got to love that. So um, do you think the current, I say, pay-per-view model, which, you know, whatever you want to call it, or network model of shows, do you think it hurts this storytelling? Where you no, have pay- I no, no,
1: no. I think I think it helps because if you're gonna have this much TV, then there has to be the blow off pay per view you're building to every month. That's my concern with AEW is it's like, can you do twelve TV shows? do a pay-per-view 12 more tv shows you know it's like if i'm gonna sit through four raws then i better you know get a damn ladder match or a hell in the cell or a money in the bank or something otherwise i'm just gonna lose interest right you've got to be building something so yeah i think you have to have those monthly pay-per-views no question
0: see and i just i think it's odd and so i actually disagree because i think like this is how it used to be back now or back then Is we had these matches where you didn't have these monthly pay per views. And it feels like, you know, and you and I have discussed it, like it's less than, you know, every 30 days sometimes. You know, some months there's like two, three events, it feels like it's just insanity. And so, um, and we've gone over the, you know, how much product there is to take in and things like that. But um, this is one of those, like, yeah, and I think that there could be, like, so many times we hear about it too, like, oh, like this story is just continuing. And so, I think you just can't have it both ways. And even, you know, just like, oh, how much longer is this going to go on? Or, oh, we, we can already tell like, oh, well they're going to do this match again next time, but it's going to be no disqualification, and so, you know, for a while there, they had the, I I don't, you know, they announced they were doing the no rematch for titles, which that's kind of already gone out the window a little bit sometimes, but, you know, I still, I I do wish they had actually stuck to that rule, because I don't think that should be a thing. I think AEW's doing that a little bit better. Um, But yeah, it's just one of those where it's tough to, you know, like like we kind of said in the opening, like they do one thing and we're not happy, and then they change it up and do something else, and we're still not happy. So, um, you know, we're just gonna keep complaining about it too, but that's okay.
1: Have you seen these shots of Liz that they've been putting on?
0: Yeah, I've been paying attention. Don't you worry. So you
1: <laughs> you, you know how like Randy's obviously knocked for being like overprotective of her? Yes. Well guess what? I wouldn't have let her out of my sights either. <laughs>
0: right. So um so uh, to get to the action a little bit, we've got the classic. So here's the the classic photo and kind of image that everybody sees. Um Steamboat given just a really hard chop and now Macho He's man got started.
1: that like overhead chop, whatever, you know, <laughs> his like way of punching was always so iconic. It was different.
0: Yeah, it was just one of those things where so yeah, you know, he got out of the ropes here and so macho kind of sneaking back up on him again. But yeah, it, it's definitely one of those things where um you know, that, that classic image is one we're so used to. And this has been a lot of really good action to this point, or, you know, there's, there's been a lot happening. So right away, right back into the arm drag and kind of taking him down and then, um, right back off the ropes, even that looked a little sloppy, but it still worked quite a bit. And so, um, you know, you figure too, like these guys just going through the motion, you wonder like kind of what number they're on at this point. Are they on like 36 or 35 boy that was a crazy knee right there randy or savage just to the back of steamboat um that just looked rough so yeah it's one of those where you know i think that like this match right now like just a lot happening which is great so as a fan do you care that they plan this out move for move i don't i think that um At this day and age, I again, I and I've said it before. I always try and put myself in kind of what was happening at this time. And so, back at this time, like fans would have had no clue about that. Like wrestling, still, you know, it's still real to me.
1: I wish I had no clue about any of this stuff. I wish dirt sheets didn't exist. I wish I didn't know any of the the behind-the-scenes stuff. Yeah, it would be both.
0: And like, and and we've gone at length. Dude, that's a
1: pretty stiff. Look at that. So he gives them the knee to the back, puts them over the guardrail. They just didn't do stuff like that back then.
0: And that is the, uh, so for those of you who may or may not be watching, this is the the classic steel, like slatted guardrail. This is not the uh, days of today, like padded rail. Um, I appreciate George, An- George Animal Steel checking on Steamboat. He got flipped over the, that railing and now kind of dragging him over the um, guardrail to kind of get him back in the ring. Great job of selling on this one too. Didn't yeah. love his involvement in the match though. I don't think it was definitely necessary it's one of those you know but i get like why they kind of you know that that was the storyline they were they were trying to go with and so that was okay and so um yeah just one of those so i know you had put it out i'm lying to someone oh um, hold
1: on hold on oh, savage yeah. on the top rope double axe handle god i loved when he used to do that i love that again you didn't see stuff like this back then just that it felt like he was in the air forever bombs away like double ax handle. Sometimes he does it, you know, with the, uh, with the railing involved. I just love that move.
0: So many of those moves too. Like you don't see that move very often. And when you do, it's just not a big deal. Like his, like how he sets it up, like that long kind of pose. It on the means corner, something. Like- Yes. And you and I have discussed that of make it mean something. And so um, going back up top again, again, trying to go for it again and got it. And so um, it's quick, but even just that little bit of him, like putting his hands up, you know, over his head and most of you, you know, most of you should be familiar with just that kind of move that he does. Um, it's just one of those where, um, you know, kind of seeing how he does that. It gets you invested. Do you like Randy Savage better as a heel or a baby face? I like him better as a heel. I think some people just are inherently better one way or the other. And I think he was much better as a heel. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I tend to like him better as a baby face, but he was great as both. I think that's that's the beauty of wrestling. So, as I was going to say, like, you, so you put it out online. I think are you were having an interaction with one of our fans uh, not too long ago, um, uh, in regards to the Mount Rushmore of wrestling?
1: Let's so, save it. Let's save it for after the show. Let's
0: save it for after. All right, because we'll I'll talk that. through this entire match about that. Okay, well, we'll get there. All right, that's fine. And so, um, and so kind of looking at these. So at two, and when you were a kid, and I think you were definitely the bigger Hulk Hogan. Mark was, you know. H- H- what would you put as like the two of this era that defined it for you? Because for me, it was like Hogan and Macho, actually. Uh, you know, Some people might like Steamboat, some people might like Warrior, but who's the two that you associate with this era of wrestling? Dude, for me, it's Hogan and Savage, Warrior's yeah. third yeah, it is for me too. And it, it feels weird. Like some of the people were leaving off the list at this point because like Andre and you're leaving off Ric Flair and you're leaving off Steamboat, which I say leaving off it you know, doesn't mean that they're not great at what they do. It's just that it's not where my brain goes first every single time. So um, big flip outside of the ring here Huge by Steamboat. It. Yeah, and so Steamboat getting that second win and throwing Savage. Feet straight up in the air over the top rope. Elizabeth um, just looking distraught, like unsure of what's happening. Um, Just great selling of what's happening, absolutely. I mean, she was so good at it. Oh, uh, so many of them were. And I think there's some even now, like some nowadays that do a good job, like that manager valet role. Um, they do a good job of it. But she's one that, yeah, like I just always associate her as, you know, so much of that and what kind of what I envision. So we're over Earl Hebner there for the uh, uh, hitting Macho in the head. Oh, and so foot on the rope, of course, kind of stopped the count. So, so many uh, of these false
1: about- finishes.
0: Yeah, and so though, that's something we have. And so the false finish. So um, it was a big point, kind of one of the things I was reading of um, Steamboat has actually had interviews where he has talked about like his thought on the false finish and why it was so good. Um, you and I have talked about false finishes on this show before and why it's so important. It wasn't a huge thing, like it happened, but they really put it in the spotlight a lot. And just like that quick, and you and I said like a, a great wrestler can be made or broken by, you know, how close to that 2.999 are, are they kicking out at? Yep. And I think it's just so important. And so you don't see that move anymore. So that was the uh, macho. Oh, that was an d- interesting move too. Uh, macho holding onto the ropes as he's trying, his Steamboat's trying to get the roll up. And so it's very rare to see that. And then Savage actually, once he got the roll up, kind of clapping his legs on Steamboat, which we don't see that very often. A lot of technical work right now too. Steamboat when, and they,
1: if you watch them,
0: they just keep moving; they never stop moving during this match. Which I think that's interesting. And at no point too, and I know like it's a, it's a kind of uh, argument or you know against AEW that we hear a lot of times of like you, the, it's too telegraphed the spots they're setting up. Like, at no point do you see these guys, like, waiting around for someone to do something. This Is looks there-
1: like an athletic
0: competition, not a gymnastics meet. Right, yeah. I mean, these 2 I
1: mean, these two look like they're having, you know, kind of a traditional wrestling mat, like, maneuvers. I, I mean, it's just, it looks believable. It looks athletic. And they do. They just don't stop. They just keep going.
0: Mm-hmm. And so that was nonstop. That was about probably five or six roll ups in about a two minute period right there um, with them just trying to get the upper hand on each other. So, Steamboat, there was a no sell by Savage. That was good. Um, there At this time, there may have not been five guys on the roster that could wrestle this match. No. And especially a match of this length, I think I have not done a ton of research to kind of see um, like average match lengths at this time. But like, these got a fifteen, you know, minute match or so, and these guys are going at it and they're uh, nonstop. Jeff, the one WrestleMania we covered, and I can't remember
1: which one it was. I wanna say it might have been WrestleMania six. Do you remember me reading the matches? There were like twelve matches, and two of them went 10 minutes or more.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Can we talk to you for a minute? We we don't want to skip over the incredible sell by Earl Hebner.
1: I know, but I hated um, a ref bump in this match. It didn't. Need I
0: it. Yeah. It didn't need it again. Over the hands, the there camera flashes bombs so away, elbow drop and no ref to count it. And so, yep. Is he, is uh, that the best elbow drop in the history of the business? I, uh, I, I think so, Jeff. Yeah. If you didn't say yes, I was about to stop this
1: right now. I was gonna say, there, are, the, the, what payo- I, off, the payoff would have ended if you told me CM Punk did a better elbow drop than the no, match. And M- my, hes-
0: my hesitation because I was thinking of some of the people that have tried to replicate it. To uh,
1: C- CM Punk d- did it, uh, Shawn Michaels did it, and so for those, what ba- why- does Bailey do it? Who else?
0: So- what- Bailey did it. And so, so for those of you at home, Savage now has the ring bell that he has grabbed. Of course we don't see a ring bell spot nowadays. We're missing that. George yeah. animal steel has grabbed it from him, but Macho's still trying to get it back into the ring going for it. So, um, I think I read that ba- Bailey was doing it. It was her move. George animal steel knocking macho off the top rope now. Um, and so he was, uh, she was using it, but she had to stop using it because Io Shirai had a better, or was it? No, I'm sorry. Kyrie Sane had, Boom. A, had a better elbow. So,
1: And there you um, go. There's the finish. Steamboat gets it. This place is going nuts. Title change. New Intercontinental champion. Liz looks distraught. Woo!
0: So you've got the, of course, steamboat just winded and that was nonstop. Like that was a very quick 14 minutes. So, so um,
1: here instant reaction If this match took place on pay-per-view now, would it have held up?
0: I think because of the action. Yes.
1: 1000%. That was the biggest thing is is we went back and watched this. I was curious about like, was it good in the time or would it be good now? I don't know if it would have gotten five stars or whatever now, but dude, if this match took place, you know, whatever, two comparable guys in today's era, I think you'd go, holy shit, that was a great match.
0: And there isn't a ton of super high flying, like spot fest. This, they were just great wrestling. That's all that was needed. That's all you needed to do. And that was great.
1: Yeah. You know, so, it was funny during, before we jump in the aftermath, just a couple of, you know, quick things I want to talk about uh, that I had here in my notes was, At one point, Jesse Ventura talked about the -the over-the-top rope, how it should have been a disqualification. I don't think they were calling it that tight. Remember at that time, like WCW, that was like an automatic disqualification, throwing someone off the top rope? And I think that lasted for a long time. I don't know if they weren't really enforcing it here, but he alluded to it. I
0: totally forgot about that role. It's just one of those things, yeah. So of course, and the classic uh, rolling out of the ring in the tiny uh, ring cart uh, can't not can't overlook that one. So yeah. So so if Savage is the best uh, elbow drop of all time, which he obviously is, who's second best? second like right now i'd give it to Kyrie sane because i i followed her for a long time and her doing that at her elbow and so i think that's she's definitely the best so second to him but yeah
1: it's just amazing though how good savages was every time right. it was just it was like he was in the air forever it's just kind of the way he held it god i loved it
0: right absolutely so
1: I also noticed the Marble ad. I forgot about cigarette ads and how that used to be a thing. So I laughed <laughs> about that. That was. Absolutely. Probably some people listening to this are too uh, too young to ever even remember that cigarette ads existed.
0: Yeah. The they're, big they're, Marlboro they're, like uh, billboards and stuff. They had a huge sign they- in the arena. Or that they did exist, yeah. So all right, yeah. we want to wrap this up, Tom, get to the aftermath. Yeah, and let's uh lots to talk about. Yeah.
1: I know, I know. So let's jump into
0: the aftermath. Oh, it's time for the aftermath. Welcome back as always. Appreciate it. Great matchup. You got macho man Randy Savage against Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, WrestleMania 3. Just really good stuff. So t- we talked about it a little bit, Tom, but uh, you know, time just kind of you know, quick reaction to that match, Tom.
1: It it holds up, right? I mean, I think that's my big takeaways. You know, I mean, I've, I've seen this match a number of times over the years, but now that we're doing this show and we've been watching a lot of wrestling and a lot of different matches, that was my biggest thing was was this a good match in the late '80s or was this a good match in any era? And the answer to me, definitively, is this is a great match in any era. I love the style. To me, again, to your point, Jeff. Uh, they're not setting up spots. This isn't some gymnastics meet. It was just two guys that were in a, in a confrontation, in a wrestling match. And, dude, they moved the entire time. There, there probably weren't five guys that worked this
0: card that could have had that type of match. Um, I, I, I just thought it was awesome. What about you? Yeah, I'm in the same boat. I think of the fact that it was it was just nonstop the entire time. And I think that's why it kept me hooked. And, you know, I didn't know what was going to happen. And that many times, like, not know. you know, we know the ending now. But if we were in that arena with all the disputed 97,000 fans, um, like, you know, it's just one of those where I would hope that we would be hooked too. Um, and there was a lot too, like this match in a lot of ways for a lot of people, depending on who you talk to, it was the match of the night. It stole the show over Hogan and Andre.
1: Well, you know, that's, that's the classic argument, though. It's, it's, you know, you had the match, which was this one, and you had the moment, which was Hogan-Andre. It doesn't mean that one's better than the other, worse than the other. It's two different things. One's an attraction in a moment. The other is a wrestling match. And that's the beauty of pro wrestling is you want this to be like a variety show. You want to have a little bit of everything. You know, we have these IC wrestlers that are the wrestlers title, right? And then you tandem that with the heavyweight program, which was at the time, these big bulky, larger than life characters, and that's what was fun about it to me. Now I don't like it because everything's so blended, right? One minute, Daniel Bryan's the world champion. Next minute, he's Eric Cotonellar champion. One minute, Seth Rollins is the world champion. Then he's US champion. I mean, how many guys have held all these belts and just interchangeably? There's no natural progression throughout the promotion anymore. None of the belts mean much of anything. They're just all random
0: straps. Agree, disagree? Well, and this is interesting because one of the little factoids on this one, and so this is one of those questions or, or, you know, kind of comments for people at home and random facts we throw in here. This is actually, while the Intercontinental Belt had been around for a long time, this was actually the first time that the belt was exchanged, like that these two, um, you, know, it, that, you know, between anybody really, that it changed hands at a uh, like TV or publicized event. Every time it had changed hands before this, it was always at a house show. And so you had had people that had it for a very long time. It was Don Morocco, Tito Santana, Greg Valentine had it for a little, actually, uh, you know, Tito Santana won it back again. Um, And so Randy Savage actually had this belt because he won it at a house show back in February of 1986. He held this belt for actually over a year, which wow. is when Steamboat beat him this March of 1987. And so um, it was all house shows up to this point, Pat Patterson being the first person to have the belt. Um, and then after this, yeah, it's just that he had, a, of course, a lot of people since. And uh, I, I'm with you, though. So to your question, though, I agree with you. You know, I, you and I both feel there's too many belts right now. Um, and that also, I don't know how to fix that though, but then also like, we can't always sit here and say, who is the the champ of every belt right now? And because, and I just don't think that's right. And I think the, like using belts to elevate certain guys and kind of giving that prestige and every, every couple of years, I feel like we get the, you know, we're going to bring back the prestige to the intercontinental title or something like that. Somebody wins it, but then it's hot shotted and it's gone. I think you know, I remember, I think it was, uh, uh, Dean Ambrose did it for a little while. Yeah. Just- Cena with the U S title. I I always enjoy an open challenge. I think the open challenge is a fantastic thing, Um, but use the belts for those types of things, not just a guy that has it. So, yeah. Yep. So I don't know. So, okay. So aftermath about this one, ready to to get into it and some of the factoids and whatnot. So um, it talked about it a little bit in regards to, um, you know, what was happening with, um, in the ring and kind of got, you know, the being pushed off the top rope and the small package for the win. And like, I've already said, this was the first time that the belt actually changed hands at an event, right? Like this. Um, and of course, like some people treat it as this is one of the greatest matches ever, like kind of even going, you know, it's their top five. It is their Mount Rushmore matches, um, even overshadowing Hogan, um, and Andre during this card. So, what happened to both of our competitors in this one? So um, it was actually Steamboat. The kind of story goes that um, Steamboat actually asked for some time off after this. It didn't sit well with management because they wanted him to win the belt and then, you know, continue defending it and being that guy that well, had, you had
1: to work the house shows. I mean, if you were going to be the Intercontinental champion, you had to headline a house, the B house show and work like eight
0: matches a week. <laughs> Right. And so you had to keep doing that. And so it was actually, you know, the story is it was actually one of his firstborn that he wanted to, um, you know, have that and be that person. And so um, he actually only held the belt for 65 days. Um, and he actually dropped it to, uh, show favorite here, the honky tonk man, um, uh, who we've talked about a lot in different stories and things like that, but he, he lost it. It was just a random kind of superstars match, um, where he dropped it. And honky tonk actually held it for over a year. So kind of, you know, crazy to think about how that could have played out. If steamboat held that title the whole time, like, you know, where would those guys have been like, what would have happened? And so, um, of course in the kind of behind the, scenes, seen stuff you know some of the things i was reading and kind of looking up was that he still never really got that true push um he came back it was actually 1987 uh that november um it's uh, survivor series excuse me and so but it's you know everything i was kind of reading was still that you know management still wasn't happy with him leaving and so that's why he was never really pushed or um and he himself yeah, and, and, and yeah.
1: bruce and, and bruce talked about it on his podcast uh, a week or two ago and it was the same deal they're like we just couldn't count on him you know the guy didn't want to work a full-time schedule he had some issues so what are you going to do make him world champ i mean they just couldn't count on him to be you know a prominent player and, and he left not that long after
0: yeah, absolutely. And so that's one of those. And even Steamboat himself has said, like, you know, that that he they overshadowed that match. And so um Savage, though, of course, having a little bit better of a career at this point, like um, or up, you know, up to this point and then moving forward. He actually won the King of the Ring tournament. It was 1987 that same year. And so he had that. Um, and so he was also still getting cheered, even though he was playing that heel angle. And so, um, almost like reminiscent of a a little bit of a, a stone cold type thing. So, um, interesting how that played out, but, um, you had to, some kind of back and forth here. Um, he actually, it was honky tonk was saying that he was the greatest intercontinental heavyweight champion of all time. And so the two of them had a feud, which actually endeared Savage to the crowd. And so, um, you know, it helped a little bit of credibility. And so, um, you know, with, with him and kind of what he was doing. And so, um, you know, Savage wasn't able to beat the Hong Kong command. So even putting him over a little bit, there was some involvement with uh, the Hart foundation and kind of Jimmy, uh, Jimmy Hart, of course. And like, Um, you know the involvement in that level and so it's just one of those and this is when of course you're starting to get into the uh, the mega powers of course uh, Hulk Hogan and Macho Man and um, you know the Survivor Series with these different guys So just a lot of different things if you like how big these things played up and of course uh, the Wrestlemania 4 match as well too so just just a lot of different things happening um, where Savage was then able to um, eventually you know kind of um you know, go on to face Hogan as well too. And so um, just one of those things, just a lot happening, good stuff. And so um, yeah, exciting, but yeah. So Tom um, that's kind of the aftermath aftermath, excuse me. Do you have any other thoughts or anything on any of that or, Get us into some of the reviews and things we found.
1: Well, I I think, you know, first of all, I think it's a crime that they didn't have a rematch at WrestleMania 4. Now, I understand, you know, look, Savage had to be the good guy, so he had to go through a bunch of monster heels. I understand that, but, you know, the way the brackets were, I mean, it should have been that Savage Steamboat wrestled at that show, and they just had a great match. You know, Savage got his win back, and they could have shook hands afterwards, and it would have just, Helped, I, So I, I can't believe they avoided doing that match. And I think it's an absolute crime. Um, I'll fast forward way, way, way down the line in terms of Ricky Steamboat. Um, you know, that hit comeback that he had where he was part of that three-on-one match against Jericho, and then he wrestled one-on-one versus Jericho the following month, that might be a good one for us to cover next month because it's part of that kind of post-WrestleMania matches. So maybe we put that on the uh, agenda cuz that was just a really random comeback but they had an awesome awesome match i believe it was the backlash the 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 uh show after wrestlemania that year so i thought that was pretty cool um look man Randy Savage he had the best match at WrestleMania 3. He had the best match at WrestleMania 4 against DiBiase. He had the best match at WrestleMania 5 against Hogan. He had the best match at WrestleMania 7 against The Warrior. He had the best match at WrestleMania 8 against Ric Flair. So, you know before Shawn Michaels was for WrestleMania, Randy Savage was WrestleMania. And I don't want to go too far down the rabbit hole, but, you know, I was watching this match this morning as we were prepping for it. And, you know, I, I'm just sitting there. I'm like, in the overall scheme of professional wrestling, Randy Savage is underrated. Okay. And I mean yeah. that he's just <laughs> underrated. You know, you hear Mount Rushmore and it's like, hogan austin rock flair under i mean you hear these names. well whoa 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 hold on a second here to me if hogan and uh austin have to be on it okay fine you want to put flair third okay but man savage to me is like three maybe four i just think he had so many great matches he was a great baby face. He was a great heel. Some of his moments with Elizabeth were incredible. He had these great WrestleMania matches, that, including this one. Um, I, I just, I don't know, man. I just, I am a massive, massive Randy Savage, Mark. I think the guy was super underrated. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know why I thought of it, but I was just like, you know, to me, as as far as pro wrestling goes, he is absolutely a better talent than the rock promos look heel baby face in ring work, everything, man.
0: Well, and I think this is one of those where too, even we overlooked it because this is the first, after we've been doing this for, you know, eight months or whatever, like this is the first mat- macho man match that we've discussed. And so we've overlooked it ourselves too. But, and, and that's what I think you brought up the interesting point. I remember macho man promos more than I remember his in-ring work. And so I, I agree with you. I think his promo work was some of the best that's out there because of like, that's just what I remember. Like, I remember him standing there with Mean Gene and of course the, you know, the flowing robes and things like that and kind of, and cutting that promo and everybody, you know, has their macho man voice and things like that, because that like, that's just how they associate him. That's what they know him from. And so, um, yeah, I, it's hard to argue your point of him being, you know, it, if not better than, just as good as the Rock.
1: At my bachelor party, I uh, wore a Macho Man jer- uh, shirt in uh, Vegas, like Friday afternoon, and for about an hour, I insisted on only speaking in the Macho Man voice.
0: Sometimes you just gotta, you know, you gotta step up
1: to the plate and do what's necessary. So, a- absolutely, I love yeah. the guy, and I feel like because we lost him too soon. Um, you know, Warrior's little comeback and doing the Hall of Fame—he's a little fresher in our mind, and we still have this Warrior award because Savage. You know, a couple things: Savage left for WCW, right? So he's not in a lot of those, you know, WWF moments. He didn't have the comeback like Hulk Hogan and wrestle more matches. He didn't get to give the Hall of Fame speech. He hasn't been back as a legend. You know, we lost him too soon. So. Maybe that is why we sometimes forget about him a little bit, but man, the robe, the music, the gimmick, the promos, all the stuff he did, dude, he is so underrated.
0: Well, and he did like, he did a long time in W, but you're right. He never did come back truly after nothing or WCW. He never never made up with Vince between that. And then he actually had, he had that small run in TNA too. Yeah. And so,
1: and do you know how he made up with Hogan after all those years? Hmm. They were they were sitting in the same doctor's office together. Uh, and they yeah. just randomly bumped into each other. This was this was like weeks before his death.
0: Yeah. They same, randomly man. ran into each other. Which is crazy to think about, but yeah. Yeah, you
1: imagine mm-hmm. you're sitting in doctor's office, Hulk Hogan walks in, you're like, oh my, holy shit, and then you know, five minutes later, the Macho Man walks in, I, I wouldn't even know what to do.
0: no (laughs) like just randomly waiting for your your test yeah absolutely i'd look
1: i'd look like i you know had like an emergency because i'd be sitting there holding on to my chair like shaking and sweating and just just
0: you know giggling not knowing what to do right i don't know what's wrong
1: with this guy but let's get him back there
0: right let's keep doing this so Uh, he's
1: just he's just marking out
0: It's just, it's how it looks. It's fine. Yeah. So, okay. So a couple quick go out. No, what do you,
1: what do you have for us? I'm excited to hear
0: this. A couple quick reviews. I know we've kind of been digging a little bit since we've been kind of working on the episode here. And so Dave Meltzer, Tom's favorite, um, dirt sheet writer, um, gave this favorite and favorite medical expert these days. Yeah. Gave it four and a half stars, which, Like, I think we can probably agree if not that a little bit higher. Yep, absolutely. So, um, so we've got that. And then I think one other kind of interesting write up I saw was kind of like a retrospective article. um, But I thought it was just kind of good here was that, uh, in front of the largest indoor crowd ever assembled for a sporting event, these two veteran wrestlers managed to upstage the main event, Hulk Hogan versus Andre the Giant, in a match that has only grown in reputation in the years that have followed. Leading up to WrestleMania 3 an intense feud between Steamboat and Savage was festering for six months as both wrestlers made claims for the Intercontinental Belt. Their previous fights were bloody with plenty of high-flying activity, but no one could have prepared no one could have been prepared for this stunning culmination. So Tom, what are your, like, you want me to go first? You want to go first? I
1: was just going to say, as you say, like their previous flights were fights were bloody and stuff. It just makes me think so many of the best matches in the history of wrestling are not recorded on video. Right, isn't that crazy? Yeah. To think I remember, like uh, I think it was Bret Hart's book. He's like, "Oh, the best match I had in my career was uh against Undertaker, you know, in Germany. Yeah, it wasn't on TV, right?" I'm like, "Wait, what? Like, how's that possible?" Um, you know, I just I, I know there's a, a good Bret Hart Ricky Steamboat match Boston Garden I, I, that might be available on on uh, video. But again, some of these like incredible matches, they're like, yeah, they got taped over, they don't exist or whatever. It's just so wild to think about, but. Yeah, this is great.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And that's just one of those where kind of seeing this. So I I will go first in giving my score. Um, I I will say that my score, I'll give this an eight. Um, I think it's, you know, it it is more than stood up the test of time. I think that um, just what they gave us in the ring was just absolutely top notch. Um, And so, uh, and while I think that it was underrated probably a little bit, Um, I don't, I say underrated in the sense that I don't think they could, no one could have seen just how big it would become nowadays. And so, um, I can't really balk at any of it. I'm not going to give it any higher than that. Just, you know, I'm just not, but, um, I think eight is a a pretty solid score for kind of what we saw and kind of how it has stood up to the test of time. Your thoughts, Tom?
1: Yeah, we're, we're on the same lines. I liked it just a touch more, it sounds like. I had this at an eight and a half. Um, you know, look, the pros are it was a phenomenal match in any era. At the time, it was so cutting edge. It was so much better than anything else that WWF was producing in terms of in-ring work. You know, the higher spots were higher. The pace was faster. It was better wrestling. It had a pretty good storyline. Um, why is it not a 10? the crowd wasn't like going crazy. Um, it, you know, didn't have an incredible storyline. It had a good storyline. Um, I didn't love the ref bump. I didn't love George, the animal steel involved. So there's a couple minor little things, um, that I'd say, keep it from being perfect, but, but still just incredible. Um, you know, how I felt about Hogan and Andre that to me was Better in terms of what we call our payoff score, um, mm-hmm. but but again, this was still awesome. Just a just a really really cool match, and uh, again, it's fun that it holds up the test of time because there's other matches we watch. Um, you know, not to pick on the uh, you know Michael's uh, Razor Ladder match, but man given all the things we've seen in terms of ladder matches, it's hard to really look at that and be like, man, that's a five-star, great classic. I mean, I understand it was at the time, but given what we've seen, it doesn't really hold up. It just looks a little, you know, blah. Uh, it's still, still a good match though, but this one, man, this holds up. It's, it's really cool that that's, that's the case.
0: Right. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. So, um, yeah, just great stuff. I, I think that it's hard to kind of overlook, though. You know, and this is one of those where if you know, you should put it on your kind of list of if you had a match that you know you had to show to someone, this is that match. Like this should be one of those that you're going back and showing people. Like um, this is one of those because it was, and we normally we say we had it was both the match of the year from both Pro Wrestling Illustrated and the Wrestling Observer, which rightfully so. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So, all right. So Tom, final thoughts on this one,
1: dude, no final thoughts, fun match. I'm going to miss covering all these WrestleMania matches We're we're coming to the tail end of it. So this is one of
0: our last ones. Deep on the road. Yeah. Whether It's going to be an interesting WrestleMania, but you can't say we're not still on the road. So that's the exciting thing.
1: So. Yeah. And you know what? Regardless, it's going to be fun to see what ends up being of WrestleMania. And, you know, it's different. And hopefully all the performers stay healthy and, you know, they're able to perform and we're able to be sports entertained, as Jeff likes to say.
0: Of course. So, and this is one of those two, um, for those of you, of course, um, that, uh, you know, want to go out there and kind of see what these guys are doing. Uh, Ricky Steamboat is on Twitter, of course. Um, and so he can be found. He is just real at real Steamboat. Um, and then of course, Macho Man, you know, not around anymore with us, but Lanny Poffo, his brother, he is just at Lanny Poffo. Um, he's a motivational speaker nowadays. He's very active on Twitter as well too, so both two guys, um, you know, out there kind of promoting the messages and kind of doing that stuff. So um, didn't say it at the top of the show, but that's okay. And so uh, the the line that everybody loves here: just subscribe to the payoff wherever you listen, give us those five star, five stars on Apple Podcast, and spread the word about the show. And as Tom did say it. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, you name it at payoff pod. We're going to be very active these next couple of weeks, especially leading up to WrestleMania because um, you know, we're kind of just sitting around. (laughs) So uh, we we want to engage with you guys. We want to, you know, kind of interact with you. And so, um, as two of our fans could admit to as well, too, we kind of secretly send out uh, some of our uh, koozies to some of you as well, too. And so, Uh, We love interacting with you and sharing your opinion, and so we're okay with that. So, uh, good, bad, all that stuff, that's the best part of wrestling. So, uh, with that, Tom, you want to take us home, get us out of here? Oh, yeah! Thank you for joining us on The Payoff!